Well, like Ryan mentioned earlier, today was supposed to be Ignite Sunday. And if you are newer to Eagle and you don't really know what Ignite Camp is, it is the highlights of the student ministry calendar year. Just think like five days nonstop of hanging with your friends, staying up late, passionate worship, a guest speaker. And actually, I want you to experience a little bit of it, so go ahead and watch this video. So that's a glimpse into Ignite. And at this point, all of the students are like, why are you doing this to us? Like, why rub salt in the wound? Well, I promise there is a point to bringing up our pain. So typically, like Ryan said, Ignite Sunday, the camp crew comes together one more time. We sing the same songs. We watch a recap video just like that one. And then we get to share God's story after God's story of what he did throughout the week. And this week... It didn't happen. It's easy to think, well, Ignite didn't happen because of COVID-19. And I, I understand that, but it's not like COVID-19 knocked God off his throne, right? Like he, he was and still is in charge. So that means that somehow, some way, Ignite didn't happen this year because God did not see fit for it to happen. I don't understand that. I definitely don't like it, but I think that God is up to something in it. So for me, what happened with Ignite 2020, and actually all of 2020, has been this crash course in his way, not our way. His way, not our way. So everybody say that with me. His way, not our way. I'm going to trust that if you're watching from home on the couch in your PJs, that you're saying that with us. His way, not our way. I still don't know, like, what is God up to this summer? For our students, we had all these hopes and prayers and plans, and now no Ignite, no Dominican Republic mission trip. But I believe that God is still up to something, and it's in this space of his way, not our way. Much of what's been happening in ministry realities is also mirroring what the Lord has been showing me. Now, if you had told me on March 20th that I was going to work from home for the next 10 weeks, sheer and utter panic. Like, this extroverted control freak, don't do that. But through all of that, the Lord has been so good, like, undeservedly good to me. And I am thankful for that because, you know those times where the Lord's, like, shaping us and morphing us and everything about it is just rough. Like, it all feels bad. It doesn't feel good. 
But these last three months, it's been that mixed bag, right? Some disappointments, yes. Discouragements, some loneliness. But then in my own heart and walk with the Lord, God's story after God's story, where the Lord has said to me like, hey, I'm gonna restore that broken friendship now, the one you've been waiting for, because you will not miss my glory in it now. Or you're gonna finally wrap up your grad school because it's been a part of like a season of preparation for things you're stepping into now. Or you're gonna learn a new pace of life now because the pace that you were on was neither sustainable nor godly. His way, not our way. So would you just pray with me real fast? Lord Jesus, you are so, so good. So this morning I ask that you would simply meet with us, speak with us. And Lord, I ask that this morning would be formational. Lord, fill us, fill me. Lord, help us to experience unity in the spirit. Lord, help us to not walk away from an hour of worship with you unchanged, but instead that we look more like Jesus. Amen. So we're gonna focus in on a story of two guys who really embraced his way, not our way. And earlier you heard some of our students, so shout out to Sam and to Abby and Annie. Thank you guys, really appreciate it. They shared big chunks of Acts 4 with you. And instead of rereading it, I'm gonna simply give the bird's eye view. It's shortly after Pentecost, and Peter and John come across a 40-year-old homeless guy who has never walked. And he ends up asking them for money, but instead Peter says, get up and walk in the name of Jesus. And he does. And it causes all sorts of commotion, and it prompts Peter to have to like explain himself and then preach the gospel. Now, the religious leaders, they wanted none of it, and so they throw, like, Peter and John into jail for one night. But then the next day, they parade them in front of the leaders, and they ask, by what power did you do that miracle? And Peter, who was then filled with the Spirit, says, hey, remember Jesus, that guy that you crucified, but then who raised from the dead three days later? Like, it's him. That's the power because they couldn't figure out how two such normal dudes were doing what they were doing. All they did know was that they had been with Jesus. So they tell them, very literally, you need to shut up, but then they release them, because people were believing, and they knew they couldn't get away with the punishment. So right after that, Peter and John, they run to their friends, to their people, but they start praying and praising God and asking for more boldness. And when they finish praying, the Lord sends a small earthquake, a sign of approval, and they are once again filled with the Spirit. So I want to ask the question, what is worth imitating in this story? What do we see in Peter and John that is worth imitating? So in 1 Corinthians 11.1, Paul literally says that you should imitate me as I imitate Christ. 
So in a space of embracing his way, not our way, what do we imitate? Their boldness. Verse 13, now when they saw the boldness. Verse 29, and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with boldness. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Boldness, confidence, the ability to take risks. Now this story is the first time in church history when boldness for Jesus was met with jail, right? Like they did a miracle, that's their crime. They healed someone and they preached the gospel and they're thrown into jail. I think that their boldness comes from fullness, right? Like Holy Spirit boldness comes from Holy Spirit fullness. Last week, Eric talked about we raise our sails to catch the wind of the Spirit. Now, I am not a nautical expert. I'm not even a novice. Like, if you start talking port and starboard to me, I'm lost. But we raise our sails to catch the wind of the Spirit. Like, I can follow that because that's what being filled is. And being filled looks a lot of different ways in the Word. But here in Acts 4, being filled looks like Boldness. Boldness comes from fullness. And just a quick word about, about filling. Filling is not once like one and done. It's not once filled, always filled. But there's something about being filled with the Spirit, like a Spirit-dependent posture that's needed, but then it's, it's all about the Lord, right? Like the Lord has to send the wind, So when we're bold, because we're filled, that's when we're bold about the right things. His way, not our way. If you know me at all, you know that I can be bold sometimes. I'm kind of wired to be like that guy. Loud, outspoken, dare I say obnoxious. My parents, shout out mom and dad, they're watching from Chicago right now, and they're just, they're just nodding along like, yep, we always warned him he was a little obnoxious. <laughs> and that's true, but what that, what that means then is I'm, I'm inclined sometimes to be bold about the wrong things. I might not be bold out of fullness. Sometimes... Maybe I'm really bold about an opinion that has very little to do with Jesus. Or in my own sinfulness, I'm happy to take a risk, but it's really because selfishly, like if it goes right, I want to take the credit. This week then, I've been asking myself, am I bold because I'm full? Am I bold because I'm being filled Or is my boldness more tied to self-interest? Because self-interest leads us to be bold about the wrong things or to maybe never be bold at all. So here in this story, self-interest caused the leaders to literally, they saw a miracle. Like they acknowledged that they'd seen it, but then they dismiss it, right? Now other people were believing. The number went from 3,000 to 5,000. 
But you've got Sadducees and Pharisees. People who didn't even like each other. They don't even believe the same things, but they're willing to align themselves against Peter and John out of self-interest, saying, I want to hold onto my power. Self-interest is the opposite of raising our sails to catch the wind of the Spirit. And it caused them to miss it, but we, like, we don't want to miss it. We don't want to miss what God is up to right now. So if I'm one who's a little more inclined to be bold about the wrong things, but there's, there are going to be some of us who maybe our self-interest shows up when we refuse to be bold even when we should be, when the Spirit is prompting us, but we're like, no, I, I don't want to rock the boat like, I don't want to make that person mad. I'm comfortable with how things are. So whatever it is that holds us back when we should speak up, or whatever prompts us to speak when we should be quiet, it is worth dismantling all of that in the name of Jesus. His way, not our way. Well, what else is worth imitating here? Their community is worth imitating. We'll get to their friends here in a bit, but I want to focus on Peter and John's community with the Lord. So Acts 4, verse 13. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished, and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. Peter and John weren't educated in the formal religious sense. And that's a good word for all of us because it shows how God wants to use all of us, anyone, no prereqs required. But the people could recognize that they had been with Jesus. Jesus was a part of their community. Does everyone recognize this symbol up here? Recognize that? Would anyone else be happy to never see that symbol again? Like Zoom fatigue is a real thing. Well, for the last three months, we have been doing community over Zoom for like all the things. Staff meetings, family hangouts, checking in with friends. And this is what it looked like for me. So I get onto my staff Zoom call and like, oh, look. Oh, look, Julia's in a new room today. Cool. And then like, oh, Michelle. Michelle, you're frozen again. Michelle? That Weibo Wi-Fi is not so good. And then like, Justin, 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 I can't hear you over your kids. Can you say it again? So like, that's staff. And then with family hangout. So my family, we played Euchre because my family's all over like the Midwest. So we would play Euchre over Zoom. And of course, Zoom forces you to look back at yourself. So I'm trying to talk to my mom, but all I can be is like, man, I look tired. <laughs> and like, I think I aged five years in quarantine. <laughs> or then we did a Zoom call over our student leadership team meetings. So that's upperclassmen in high school. So Brad and I are on the call and I'm looking around and I see Jenna sitting next to Mason. But Jenna's got like she's got something on her face and oh, I realize she's wrapped up because she had her wisdom teeth recently taken out and it became the most fun Zoom call ever because we all like to tease Jenna. Normally she likes to kind of throw it back and all she could do is roll her eyes 
No talking aloud. No more Zoom. After three months, I think we can agree that in-person is better. But we did do what we had to do to have community. When we couldn't be with people in the flesh, we found ways to connect and to relate. To be with Jesus in person, in many ways, is better. That's why I long for what Peter and John must have experienced. I think we all do, to get to walk down the street with Jesus. That's why we long for like the future, to be with the Lord in, in heaven, in the kingdom. But quarantine did remind me that when we value someone, we find ways to connect. So I know in my heart that there are times where I am too quick to make those excuses for why Jesus is not more a part of my community. We find ourselves saying like, oh, it's just so different now. Like it's not the same to read about him and not get to walk down the street together. Or it's not the same to read about a miracle as it would be to see a miracle. But just because Jesus is not standing like right here next to me doesn't mean he can't be a part of my community. And what's real encouraging like really awesome is Jesus himself says in John 16 that it is to our advantage that he go away and send the spirit. So like talk about a framework for Acts, right? That it is better that Jesus left so that we could have the spirit. Talk about framework for formation. That is what we have now. They recognized that they had been with Jesus. Would people say that about us? I think it's a question all of us can ask ourselves and it's worth imitating. His way, not our way. If you look at verse 23, when they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God. So Peter and John had these two crazy days, right? Like they heal somebody, they're thrown in jail. They preach the gospel, they go talk, like two crazy days. But then they ran to their friends, their people. We all need our people, especially in tough times. But look at what Luke writes. When they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God. They didn't just talk about their problems for hours. They didn't bash the religious leaders for hypocrisy. They simply prayed together. That is worth imitating. Have you ever been around someone that just prays all the time? I've got a good buddy of mine. His name's John. We went to college together, and he's one of those people, like one of the most prayerful people I know. If we catch up over the phone, like we will end that time by praying over each other, and it's awesome. I love it. But I found out that John kind of comes by his prayer life honestly because his dad is the same way. 
So there was one time where his dad was going to pick us up from college, and we were going to take like a 30-minute drive, like 30 minutes, nothing major. So we load up the car, we get in, but John's dad starts praying out, and he says, Heavenly Father, I pray that you would just get us safely from point A to point B. Go before us, protect us. But Lord, if it be your will that we change course, that we change plans, Lord, would you make that clear to us and help us to receive it? Because Lord, like we are yours, you are in control, we love you, amen. Now I heard a lot of prayers in college. One time I did the math, and separate from anything that I was praying, like I heard over 3,600 prayers, like Bible school, you know, lots of prayers. And I don't remember barely any of them. But John's dad's prayer, that one, that one really stands out to me. And I think it stands out because it was normal. It was humble, like inclusive, genuine, conversational. And I want to be a part of a community like that where like our personal prayer lives like overlap and intersect and you know incorporate the prayer lives of others. But maybe if you look around right now and you're like, hey, that's not really how my group of friends is. My hope is not to go ditch your friends and go find new friends. That is not the hope or the suggestion. It is simply with friends who are brothers and sisters in Christ could we start imitating that more? Could it be that you're being called to be that person who brings that more into the circle, that praying together would be more a part? I think so many of us crave experiences of praying with someone or having someone else pray over us. But of course, so many things get in the way, our busyness, an insecurity, a fear, like all sorts of things. But Peter and John's friend group is worth imitating. It's a community that says it doesn't matter how awkward it feels at first or how scary, but it's worth imitating to the point where it, where it shifts. And it's no longer imitation, but it's lived experience. The prayers they prayed are the final thing worth imitating. Verse 29 and now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. I'm amazed that they didn't ask for a change in circumstances. Like think about everything we've walked through the last six months and how many times I have or maybe you have prayed prayers more in line with like, Lord, could you change this? Like, please, can we please go back? <laughs> but no, they didn't do that. It's amazing that they prayed for more boldness, more opportunities to speak up, to be filled more. When I was studying for this message, I learned that Acts 4, verses 24 through 30, that's the longest recorded prayer in Acts. So it got me thinking then, well, what are, what are other prayers that we do pray along with in Scripture? So Matthew 6 came to mind, when Jesus himself teaches us how to pray. Right? It's the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. 
So many of us outline our prayers that way. Or then maybe David's prayer of repentance in Psalm 51, where he literally teaches us how to confess and how to turn from our sin. And it's so dear to us as we, of course, we just make mistakes and we circle back. And so then we pray, create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. And even Aaron's prayer in Numbers 6, right? I think those words we've heard in benedictions in this room so many times. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you. But Acts 4, 29, and now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal. And signs and wonders are performed through the name of your servant, Jesus. Different prayers are for different moments. And I believe that we are being called right now to pray some Acts for prayers. Like we're, we're positioned for it. Prayers to ask for filling. Prayers for boldness. Prayers for a new normal, right? So his way, not our way. Prayers for that new normal where we don't, we don't want to go back to 2019. We don't want how the church was in 2019 or how our country was in 2019. We're going to pray for something new because it's an acts for prayer. We could look around at our world and our country, what's going on? A pandemic, economic turbulence, and civil unrest unlike we have seen for 50 years, a result of long, long-term racial injustice. And I believe the Lord is positioning us to stop letting the world dictate the conversation, to stop letting the world hijack what should be the church's talking points, but instead it is our time to reclaim the gospel, to like reclaim the good news of Jesus and then connect the dots for people of what Jesus came here to do. We get to pray some Acts 4 prayers. I don't know what God is up to but it seems real clear that he is up to something and we don't want to miss it. Well, one day, a little girl, we're going to call her Sarah, she walked into her kindergarten class and on Fridays, it was show and tell day. And so show and tell, you could maybe share a toy from home, maybe a picture of your family and then also, you could share with the class something that you had learned that week. Well, Sarah's mom, sometimes when she got behind the wheel and someone cut her off, there was a little bit of road rage and certain symbols might fly. Now, Sarah, like so many children, was very good at imitating her parents. So her mom's heart sank as she looks back in the rearview mirror and sees Sarah very innocently symboling to lots of cars. <laughs> By the way, I'm trying so hard to not get myself into trouble because I know there's like young ears watching and I'm not used to talking to a younger audience, but I will not get myself in trouble. <laughs> Sarah's mom tried to explain to her, like real nonchalant-like, like, hey, what you're doing is rude. <laughs> but Sarah was too excited to go into show and tell on Friday and tell the whole class what she had learned from her mom that week, which led to these five-year-olds, you know, experimenting with different symbols. <laughs> 
It led to damage control by the kindergarten teacher. And it led to a good old-fashioned parent-teacher conference <laughs> with Sarah's parents. Imitation. Imitation is how we learn. So especially children and when they're babies, imitation is part of development for language. It's how you take kind of steps towards independence. But imitation is still how all of us learn. But for some reason, the older we get, it starts to get kind of like a bad rap. And I don't even, I don't know exactly why. Like maybe it's because we live in such a, like be true to yourself culture. We love independence. We love originality. But imitation, for so many of us, we think that means teasing. <laughs> or we think of imitation as fake or inauthentic. But I think if we were to be serious about his way, not our way, and embracing it as something that is not burdensome, but is actually like really freeing. Like there's a lot of joy and peace. And finally, after the Lord is teaching us over and over again, we just say, yes, I raise my sails because his way is better than my way. It's okay for us to imitate people like Peter and John, imitate other people in our lives. It could be Pastor Eric, it could be worship team members, it could be some of our student leaders, I think so highly of them. Like find somebody, somebody who is very much like what Paul says. So imitate or follow me as I imitate and follow Jesus. That can be formational. So I want to try something as a church this week, and you could kind of call it a challenge, but it's more like an experiment. <laughs> I want to kind of see how God would show up. And so there's going to be two parts of this experiment and this is for everybody. So kids, I apologize if I lost you kids. I do my best. <laughs> but kids, students, and adults, this is for everybody. Step one of the experiment is to write your own Acts 4 prayer. You can just read verses 24 through 30, and you're going to write your own. So I was really excited. I sat on it all week. I didn't want to do it. But yesterday morning, I got up, and I wrote in my journal my own Acts 4 prayer. And I think what's amazing is that then it, it could fit my context. And you can do the same, right? Because your sphere of influence is your own. You and the Lord know your prayers for fullness, for boldness. You'll also know your own sin issues that you're going to bump up against as you pursue it. So that's part one. Simply, somehow, somewhere, write your own Acts 4 prayer. And then, step two, which might be a little bit more daunting, you're going to tell it to a friend or family member, and then you're just going to pray it together. Now, for some of us, that's very in our comfort zone, and for others of us, that might feel daunting. But you're just going to open up, share it with somebody, and then spend some time praying it together because it's worth imitating. Like, what was that for their community? What were those prayers that will position us well? And I feel really confident in telling you that the Lord will honor that as you push in and lean in and you maybe do something outside of your comfort zone that the Lord will bless us and we will get to kind of see what is it that happens when we imitate the right things and when we pray some acts for prayers together. His way, not our way. Imitating boldness from fullness spiritual community, and acts for 
prayers. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that there would be something, even if only one thing that stands out to us from this morning with meeting with you and getting to look at a story, maybe a story that we've heard before, but Lord, we realize that there's an invitation here, that there's something for each of us that if we are willing to raise our sails and start asking you for certain things and start leaning into prayer with each other, Lord, that you would do a work in us and through us that we would not believe if you told us ahead of time. Lord, we do thank you for your protection over us. And Lord, show us what it will mean as a church body to step into his way, not our way. Your way, not my way. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen.